So if you have your Bibles or, or your electronic devices, you can either click to, turn to with me, uh, Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3 is where we're going to be, and if you don't have a, a device that has the Bible on it or a, a leather-bound Bible or paper Bible, uh, no worries. You can follow along on the side screens as, 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 I, as I read these verses. And so over the last three weeks, we've been looking at the book of Ruth, and so I've been taking a chapter a weekend and, and just kind of unpacking that. And so today we're in Ruth chapter 3, and then next week we'll finish this series up in, in Ruth chapter 4. And so when you look at the book of Ruth, you realize that it has a lot to say about relationships. It has a lot to say about how we handle our relationship with God, how we handle our relationships with others, and then how we handle our relationships in a community of believers or, or in a church. And so this morning I've entitled this message, The Land of Passion. And so if you were like a, if you were like a Jewish person and, and like you were the first hearers of this and someone stood up and read the book of Ruth to you, uh, because of the language that is in here, this, I mean, there are places that like you would actually blush. I mean, this is going to be some PG-13 or PG stuff that we're going to look at this weekend as we unpack this. And so I'm going to try to help you to understand uh, what the first hearers, what the original hearers would kind of, how they would respond to this message or the book of Ruth. And, and, and so this morning, just to catch us all up, uh, Ruth is, is a Moabite. Uh, Naomi and Ruth are like the primary characters in this book. It's about the love of God, the character of God. And so Ruth and Naomi are Naomi uh, was married to Imelech. They were, they were a Jewish family. They had two sons. Uh, because of a famine in the land in Bethlehem, uh, they went to the land of compromise, a land that God told the Jewish people, you do not go there. And so whenever you and I go to the land of compromise, whenever we compromise in any area of our life, it will always leave us feeling empty. It will always leave us feeling discouraged. It, sometimes it will make us even feel like that God is working against us, not for us. And so that's what happened to Naomi and Imelech. They go into the land of Moab, and God had told them not to go there. And it also told them not to marry Moabite women. And the reason he told them to not to marry Moabite women is because of this. In Moab and Moabites, they believed in polytheism. In other words, they believed this. They believed that there's many deities, there's multiple gods, that, that like any road will get you to heaven, any path will get there. The more gods, the better. As long as you live a good life and you're genuine and you just pick a god, just pick a god. And that that will get you to heaven. And so that's never the God of the Bible. That's never what Scripture says. And as a result of that, God warned the Jewish people and says... Do not marry Moabite women because you'll have a spiritual mismatch. In other words, don't be unequally yoked. And so God did not desire that for his children, for his people. Well, Naomi and Imelech and the two boys get there. Uh, the bo both boys take Moabite women uh, as, their, as their wives, and it was like 10 years of tragedy. Imelech had died. The two boys had died. And now it's like Naomi and Ruth. And, and Naomi hears the goodness of the Lord in, in, in Bethlehem, and many times that what causes back to him. And so Naomi says, I'm going back to Bethlehem. And, and Naomi and, and Orpah, her other daughter-in-law, says, you guys go back to your people. You marry Moabite men. You go back to your people. And then Ruth does something unheard of for a Moabite. Ruth, like, like we would call it, would, be, would pray like a salvation prayer. In other words, Ruth looked at Naomi, and it's in Ruth chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. And Ruth says, may your people be my people. May your God be my God. Uh, nothing but death will self-separate me from you. And it's like this huge prayer of acceptance of Yahweh, of acceptance of God. And so Naomi takes Ruth with her back to, back to Bethlehem. 
And she, she welcomes, listen, she welcomes her in and into her community. And, 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 and I don't know in this series whether you've been able to relate more to Naomi or Ruth. Uh, Naomi would, would be seen as that, that, that Christ follower or that person that followed God and that went into the land of compromise, wandered from God, didn't quit going to church, quit being in the community, and then she comes back and God accepts her back, the people accept her back, and, and she starts following God again. Or maybe, maybe for you, maybe you're like me. See, I, I, I relate to Ruth. I wasn't, I wasn't raised in a family that went to church. Fact is, I, I can only remember four or five times ever going to church in my, in my childhood. And basically, we, we, well, we just, we just like never went to church. And, and we, we just kind of believed, all, you know what, it doesn't matter. Church doesn't matter. Following God doesn't matter. As long as you're a good person, you're good to go, you go to heaven. And then, you know what, in my 20s, I lived in a land of compromise for a very long time. And in my, in, in my, in my 20s, my life fell apart. And and I hit rock bottom, and I had a Naomi in my life, kind of like Ruth had. I had a Naomi in my life, and it was my, my aunt. And, and so my aunt and uncle took me to church. I, I accepted Christ there. And then I came into this, this community, and this community welcomed me in. I mean, they welcomed me in, and I, I thank God for people that, that, that ministered to me and built community with me. I was in Bible studies with them, and I was shaped I was shaped in that community, much like Ruth was shaped in the community in which she was in. And so Ruth and Naomi go back. And so this morning, I just, I just want to unpack just a, just a thought for you. And this is, this is like countercultural to our culture, to, to our society in which we live. And I just want to help you understand this is, is the, how Ruth chapter 3 relates to whether we're dating life, to whether it's marriage, or whether it's like, like Christian community. And so the, the, the thought is simply this. There is something deeper. Or, or let, me, let, me, let me phrase it. Let me, let me phrase it. Let me phrase it like, like this. Loving someone is far better than being in love with someone. Loving someone is far better than being in love with someone. See, our, our world, when our world talks about love... It's all about being in love. It's all about that infatuation. It's all about the first time you see them and the beating heart and the, the, and, and, and the racing emotions and all the other stuff that comes with that. And so our world talks about this issue of just, just being in love, not finding someone to love. In other words, this, when you look at this issue, being in love is all about me. It's all about me. It's all about my needs. It's all about my likes. It's all about my performances or, or my preferences and all of those other things. Being in love is about me, but, but finding someone to love is, such, is so much deeper. Finding someone to love, all of a sudden, the focus is not so much on yourself, but it's on somebody, it's on somebody else. It's a deeper form of love. This issue of being in love, that infatuation, those emotions, those feelings will not get you through the tough things of life, will not get you through the difficult things of life. In other words, your love and my love has to mature to more of a mature love or a, a, a deeper love to where we find someone and we, we love them at a deeper level to where it's not all about us. But it's about focusing on somebody else. And so Paul unpacks this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He begins to define out what love is. And he defines out what love is in a, in a Christian community. The church in Corinth, I mean, it was a wreck. 
And, and, and they weren't doing well at loving one another. And so Paul begins defining love for them and said, love is patient, love is kind, love is not rude, love is not self-seeking, love doesn't keep records of wrong, in other words, it's a forgiveness. And he begins talking to them about this issue of just, just being in love. And he writes these words, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. He said, let me define out love for you. And he says this, he says, love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love, a biblical form of love, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are, are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it, 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 will, it will pass away. But this one thing that remains is this issue of love, this issue of loving someone and someone loving you. Again, in verse, verse 7, because we're going, to take, we're going to take 1 Corinthians 13 and we're going to overlay it of Ruth's life and Naomi's life. And, and, and look at that. And he says this because this is where the principles come from. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. And love always perseveres. There, there's this deeper form of love that sometimes our culture knows nothing about. Our world knows nothing about. Our world talks more about being in love than loving someone focused on someone. Listen, I, there'll be times that I'm, 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 you know, like watching TV and I see the commercials of like the bachelor or the bachelorette. And so you got this, you know, the bachelor, you got this guy and he's a nice looking guy and he has all these beautiful women around him. And he's like, I'm in love with this one. 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 I'm like in love with all of them. And I don't know which one to pick. That's the type of love that I know because the next week I have a daughter that like, like follows The Bachelor. She actually watches The, the, the Bachelor. And, and so you'll, I'll talk to her about it and I'll ask her some questions. And she says, yeah, yeah, he was in love with that one last week. But this week he's not giving her a rose and voting her off the island. And it's like this superficial love that, you know what, that it's all about me. The focus is on me. And the Bible talks about this deeper form of love. There is something deeper. There is something more significant than being being in love, but it's finding someone to love. The Bible would say that's the deepest form of love, the deepest form of love that will last through difficulties, that will last through trials. There's something about knowing that someone loves you with a biblical love and you love them. So just three principles this morning about this issue. The first one is this, love is being patient with one another. Love is being patient with one another. That's one of the things that 1 Corinthians 13 says is that love is patient and love is kind. Love is forgiving. Don't we all need someone that's patient with us? Don't we? Because none of us are perfect, right? We're all working through different issues. We're all journeying through life. We all need someone that is patient with us. And so you look at Ruth, and they're, they're back in Bethlehem. Ruth is being patient. She's being, she's being brought into the church. She's being brought into the community. She's learning the ways of God, the ways of Yahweh. She's also like, like every morning going out and getting grain so her and Naomi can eat. And, and Ruth, is, Ruth is just, she's waiting on God. But Naomi comes to this place, and we're going to read it in just a second. We'll just walk through uh, Ruth chapter 3 all the way through. But Naomi comes to this place, and like she's no longer depressed. She's no longer empty. And then all of a sudden, her focus turns to Ruth, and she, she uses some words, and we'll understand those words. And so she tells Ruth, she says, Ruth, we need to find you rest and safety. That's just a Hebrew word of, Ruth, I'm going to help you find a man. 
I'm going to help you get married. I'm, I'm a widower. I'm not going to live much longer. I need to make sure that you're taken care of. And all of a sudden we know because of that that Ruth and Naomi's relationship had totally changed. At one time they were, they were mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, and now they're, now they're acting like mother and daughter. Because many times in the Old Testament, the families would arrange the marriage for their children. So Naomi has this deeper love for Ruth, and Ruth has a deeper love for Naomi. And Naomi begins to help her. So uh, Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord to be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Listen, if you've ever waited for God for something, you've waited for God to answer a prayer, you've waited for God to straighten out a situation or relationship or whatever, you know it takes courage, right? It takes courage to wait on God. It takes courage to, to not to go to the land of compromise like Imelech did and say, I'll just take matters in my own hand. I'll trust myself. I'm not going to wait on God any longer. You know what? I can, I can make it happen. But every time we do that, it always leaves us feeling empty like it did with Naomi. And so there's this love that is expressed through, through waiting. There's a love that is expressed through just being patient and kind to one another. So we pick up the story in Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. And, and so here, 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 here's what the scripture says. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? So this is, just, this is a Hebrew way of simply saying, Ruth, we're going to find you a man. It is time. We are going to find you a man. And then, and then she goes on and like, like now we all of a sudden discover verse 2. She already has a man picked out. She know who he is. And so verse 2, is it not Boaz, our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he was winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. And so she's telling Ruth, she said, Ruth, we need to find you a man. Oh, and I think it's Boaz. Boaz is like an eligible bachelor. He's the most eligible bachelor of our time, of our day. I mean, he's a landowner. He's a worthy man. He has a huge reputation. And so, so Ruth, I think I know the man. And the man is Boaz. And, and so she explains to Ruth that after the barley harvest, that they would take the barley and they would put it what is called a threshing floor. And it's just a, it's like this large area. And everybody would bring their grain and they had different areas. And then the night, at, at night when, the, when it was cooler to work and the winds would pick up, kind of like happens in Colorado, right? And so when the winds would pick up, that you would go in and you'd get a pitchfork and you would like throw the barley up in the air. And, and then the wind would like separate out the, tra the chaff from the grain and so they would work there in the night and they were they would usually work in the night and in a secluded area so so just keep watching or walking through this verse three so now Naomi says says I you need to find a man I know the man his name is Boaz so now now I got a plan I got a plan Ruth I'm gonna help you with this verse three wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Now listen, I'm telling you, if you're a Jewish audience, you are, blessing, uh, you are blushing right now. I mean, you are like, you know, if you got young children with you, you're like covering their ears and say, never, never do what Naomi just told Ruth to do. I mean, you're like, you're like in shock. You can't even believe, is this really in the Bible? I cannot even believe this. And, 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 and she's telling Ruth, she's telling Ruth to, how to find a man. And she's like, Ruth, you know, it's time. You, you've mourned long enough. Man, you have mourned long enough and you need to find a man. And so I just need to let you know, tonight... Don't show up in your work clothes. 
good for you, Kohl's has a sale on dresses. And I got a bunch of Kohl's cash for you, and I'm going to give you some Kohl's cash. And they got, they got, and you know what? They're probably going to pay you to buy that dress. That's how it works in my house. And so, uh, <laughs> hope Karen's not streaming this one. And so they're probably going to give you money. So you run down to Kohl's, you use this cold cash, you get you a dress, you get your hair done, you, you get your makeup, uh, you put makeup on, you get your nails done, and you whatever you do, do not wear your work clothes tonight. And then it's just hilarious. I mean, she's thought this whole deal out. And she says, and you wait, you wait until he's in a good mood, right? Wait until after he's finished dinner. Isn't it really true men are in a better mood in the evening after they've eaten dinner? <laughs> I mean, there's something about that, right? I mean, there's something about that. Well, just personal story, just real quick. And <laughs> years, years back, we bought our house in like 97. We're still in the same house uh, today. And, and it was around, around Christmas time. And ministry was like just really, really busy during that time. And, and Karen wanted to go up to the mountains, you know, cut down a tree and, and have a live tree in the house where you have the smell and that whole deal. And so, but ministry rhythms, I mean, I was just busy and, and we could, I, I was coming in late. We could not find a time to do it. And so we had just moved into this house and the, the previous owners had planted like a blue spruce tree in, in our front yard. And now we've lived in Colorado long enough, and we know trees are precious, and we shouldn't cut them down. <laughs> we didn't know that then. We were still rednecks. And so, uh, so while I was at work, Karen and the girls decided, we'll just cut the tree down. We'll go, we'll go in our front yard and get a Christmas tree. We don't even go to the mountains. So they cut this tree down. They learned this principle that trees always look smaller in the front yard than they do in the house. I mean, when you get them into the house, it's like they've grown on your way in. And so they actually got this tree stuck in the sliding glass door, and they had to cut its way out, and they get the, and it's like massive. And so I, I get home late that night. It's like, it's like 8 o'clock. I pull in the driveway. Both Brittany and Amanda, they meet me in the driveway, and I could tell something was up. And they're like, hey, Daddy, don't go through the garage. I mean, uh, we, have, we have fixed your favorite. Mom's fixed your favorite meal. I mean, it's going to be a special night. So they took me into the kitchen. I sat down. And I ate my, my favorite meal. And then they waited till I finished eating. And they said, hey, we need to show you that Christmas tree that we cut down. <laughs> and so this is, this is Naomi. Naomi is telling Ruth, says, you know what? Just wait till after he's eaten. Because guess what? Men are in a better mood after they've eaten in the evening. And so, but then, but then she, uses like, she uses like three words. She says, and then uncover his feet. And this is just something you do with anyone. I mean, it's th these three words in the Hebrew language filled with all kinds of sexual overtones. Ruth, be careful. Where he, watch where he lies down. Be careful. I mean, don't get the wrong man. Uh, <laughs> and then go uncover his feet. <laughs> Verse 5. And so she replied, all that you say, I will do. Okay. So she went down the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had, had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and, and lay down. She did it. 
She literally did it. I mean, can you, can you imagine? I mean, can, put yourself in that place. Can you imagine this scene that all of a sudden Ruth is like laid down next to him and, and, and he, he's asleep and, and so she's probably just like watching him breathe? I mean, just staring at him. We love his patient, right? So she's going to wait for him. And so she's like laying there and she's like watching him breathe. I don't know if you're like me. I do not wake up well. I do not, I hate to be startled. And I mean, I almost have like a seizure when someone wakes me up, just like startles me. When the girls were young, I used to hate it. Those of you that are parents and you've had young kids, don't you hate it when they'd get scared in the night and they wander in your room and they'll come up to the side of your bed and they'll just stare at you? Isn't it weird you kind of know that? You're sound asleep and you know, this is awkward. Someone's staring at me. And then if you don't wake up, they go, daddy, daddy. And it literally, I have a seizure. They only did it for me about twice. And from then on, just wake up, mom. Do not wake up, dad. <laughs> so now, now Ruth is like staring at Boaz. And she's just, she's waiting. Love is patient. Love is patient. Verse 8, at, at midnight, the man was startled and turned over. And behold, I was like, a woman lay at his feet. This is intentionally vague language. We don't know if she's like laying parallel. We don't know if she's laying like perpendicular and just like staring. We, we do not know. But we know this is intense. We also know nothing happens sexually. Both Boaz and Ruth remained pure all the way till marriage. They understood that whole deal. The first thing is this, is love is patient. The second thing is this, love is protecting of one another. Love is protecting. Don't, we need people in relationships. When we fall in love, it can be all about us, but we have to move from being in love to loving someone. And we all have to have someone that, you know what? They're patient. They are patient with us. We also have to, someone, have to have someone that loves us so much is willing to protect us, willing to protect us emotionally and physically and financially and spiritually to where they have this kind of protection, love for us. When you love someone, when you truly love someone, your love should have a protection type of love for them to where you won't. That's why Paul said in that, that scripture, he says, so they, they, they always, love always hopes. In other words, we hope the best for one another. We believe the best. Shouldn't you want to hope the best, believe the best in someone that you're in love with or that you love? And no, this is no difference with them. You look at Naomi's love. Naomi's love for, for Ruth led her to try to find her a man to help her. And, and God's love for Naomi and God's love for Boaz. You see it through this story, verse 9. And so he's startled and he wakes up. I think it's a, hilarious, it's a good question, but it's kind of hilarious. Who are you? I mean, I often wondered, how did he say that? Did he say, who are you? Did he scream it? Was he in shock? I mean, what was happening? And so, and she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Man, when she answered him, and she says, I, I'm your servant. The first time they met, you can read it for yourself, is, is Ruth chapter 2, verse 11. The first time they met, and Boaz asked Ruth, and I mean, he obviously was interested in her. And we're going we're to understand that a little bit later. And he says, who are you? And she says, I am Ruth the Moabite. I am your servant. The, that Hebrew word is much different than this Hebrew word in, in, Roman, in Ruth chapter 3. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 11, when she says, I'm your servant, it meant I, I, I'm, your, I'm, I'm your worker. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm your worker. I'm your employee, however you want to phrase that. And now, 
She uses a different Hebrew word for servant. It's more, it's a more personal tone. It's a more personal word. It's, it's a word that someone would use to let someone know that they're interested in. I am single and I am available. I mean, it, it reminds me, uh, years back, we took a, we took a group to, to Israel and and on this trip, we had like we had like three sisters, and and they were widowers, and they had, they had all lost their husbands, and and so they they were taking this trip together, and they were hilarious. They they made our trip, and so we had one of the widowers, and we get to Israel. She decides that she's going to find a man in Israel. I mean, she's like, what a better place to find a husband than in the Holy Lands? And I'm like, really? And so, uh, <laughs> and so we we were getting on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. And so as we're stepping on the boat, this man, one of the, one of the worker guys, he reached up and he says, may I take your hand? And she's like, sure, if you put a ring on it. <laughs> she told another guy over there that there was like a guide or something like that. And she told another guy over there. She looked at him and, and we, were eating, we were eating fish and she looked across the table at him and says, hey, you remind me of my third husband. He said, well, how, how many times have you been married? She said, twice. So, so Ruth saying this is like she's letting him know that guess what? I am single and 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 available and I'm interested. She's looking for someone to protect her. And when she says, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer, um, she she knows, she gets it, she's dealing with a guy. And sometimes men miss the signs, right? Sometimes, sometimes you gotta be a little obvious with men. And so she's like, hey, in case you're missing the signs, I just want to make it clear, I am interested in you. When she uses that term, spread your rings over your servant, for you are a redeemer, um, she's like, I, I want you to pursue me. I want you to pursue me in marriage. I mean, for their culture, this is unheard of. For their culture, this is very forward. This is a phrase that, that, a, that a wife would only use for a husband or a husband would only use for a wife. She's asking him to bring his care, his love, his protection over her. She's referencing back. It's so fascinating. She's referencing back to their, their first meeting. Something must have happened in their first meeting to where he was kind of interested and she was kind of interested because in their first meeting when she says, I'm Ruth the Moabite, your, your, your servant, and then he turned to her and says, well, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord spread his wings of protection over you. May you come under his wings of care, his refuge of protection. And so that was like his prayer for her. And you know what she's doing? She is scripturing him. She is using the Bible against him almost. She said, hey, Boaz, remember when we first met and you told me that your prayer for me is that God would spread his wings of protection over me? Now you have an opportunity to be the answer to that prayer. Now you have the opportunity to, to, like, fulfill that prayer. And so you look at this, and you, you wonder, well, how is Boaz going to respond? I mean, he, he, he's a Jew, and she's a Moabite. I mean, how, how is he going to respond? And, and a Moabite woman just proposed to a Jewish man, and now that a worker in the field proposed to an owner of the field. Not only that, she's younger than him. And a younger woman is proposing to an older man. And in their culture, listen, this is, this is unheard of. And Boaz, Boaz could have kicked her out of the field. He, 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 could have, uh, he could have taken advantage of her just to fulfill his sexual 
gratifications and his sexual desires. He could have abused her. He could have taken advantage of her sexually. He, he could have taken advantage of her loneliness. So the question is, how is he going to respond? He didn't, he didn't take advantage of her because his love for her was, was protecting. His love for her was caring. His love for her was much deeper than some just infatuation, some just emotion. The third and the last thing is, is love is being transparent with one another. I think sometimes in relationships, whether it's in dating life, whether it's in marriage, or even when it's in church, it takes a long time, if we're honest, to get to that place where we can just be transparent with one another. To where we can say things without accusations, without, without being mean, without being rude, without any weight other than we're just transparent. This is, this is what I'm feeling. These are my emotions. This is where I'm at. And you find that they move to that place very quickly. And please, please, don't forget this. In their time, sexual immorality was like rampant. I mean, it, it was like, it was, it was unheard of for someone to walk in purity. It was unheard of for people to trust Yahweh and to trust God with their sex life. In verse 10, and so we just go on, and so, and he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last, this last kindness greater than the first. So he's referencing back to their first meeting. In that you have not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. And so, you know what he's saying? He says, you're a godly woman. You're, 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 you're a God. Fact is, verse 11, we'll read it. He'll make, these, he'll make a phrase. He says, fact is, people in, in our community say that, that you're a, uh, say that you're, you're a worthy, you're a worthy woman. And so he's trying to help her understand that, that she's a godly person. He's referring back to, to helping her understand that, you know what? I have, I have probably checked you out. I, I know your story. I know you're Herod. I know, I know that you're a godly woman. I know that you're pursuing God. And Ruth chapter 3 tells us that there is another way in relationships. There is another way in dating relationships that God honors. There is another way in marriage. There is another way in our, our, our relationships that, that love is this issue, that love protects and, and love has integrity and love cares about the other person. Ruth chapter 3 verse 11, and he says, he says, and now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all your fellow townsmen know that you're a worthy woman. So now she's thinking that, you know what? Things are headed my way. Things are like, things are like headed my way. And in the next verse for Ruth, it had to be a letdown. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. So all of a sudden she realized, see, Levitical law said that, that when someone lost a spouse, that someone in the tribe, there was a family, there was a clan, and there was a tribe. Community was huge to them. That someone in the tribe could, and, and there was an order. There was an order as how it lined up in the, in the, in the family line, and, and, and uh, there was an order. And so Boaz must have already checked her out, and he knew that, you know what? There's someone, that, there's someone in line before me. And this had to be a letdown to her. And so verse 13, she said, he said, he says, remain, remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. 
lie down until the morning. So Boaz knows the law of God. He respects her. He's a person of integrity. He's following God. And, but can you imagine what it was like that night for them? I mean, they, they laid there side by side the rest of the night, you know, staring up, staring up at the stars. And Boaz is probably thinking, what, what are people going to think? What, what are people, I'm, I'm a Jew, and, and she's, she's a Moabite, and, and what will the other man, what will the other, what will the other people think? And this other man that's in line before me, will, will he accept her? Will he reject her? Uh, will I have a chance to marry her? And there was transparency, and there was integrity in the relationship, and, 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 and Ruth had to know at the same time that in the, in the next 24 hours, I'm, I'm going to be engaged. I and I don't know who. I don't know if it's this other man, and I don't know if it's Boaz. I hope it's Boaz. And so they laid there, verse 14. So she lay at his feet until morning, but he arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And so Boaz is just saying, hey, Ruth, let's, let's keep this between ourselves. Let's keep it between ourselves. Verse 15, and he said, bring the garment you're wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of, bar of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And so she, she's, she's on her way back home. Can you believe, can you imagine Naomi? Naomi knows what the conversation, Naomi knows what Ruth was going, going on. And, and so Naomi probably didn't sleep all night. Uh, they, they didn't have Facebook in their days, so Naomi couldn't check out Ruth's Facebook and see if her relational status has changed, whether she's in a relationship, she's engaged, or anything like that. She has to, she has to wait. She has to wait. And so <laughs> Ruth gets home in verse 16, and when she came to her mother-in-law and she said, how did you fare, my daughter? And then she told her all that the man had done for her. And Ruth now tells her what, what Boaz is saying, verse, verse 17. Saying these six measures of barley have he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. So don't, don't miss this all of a sudden. Remember, remember when Ruth and Naomi came back to the, the land of promise, when they came back to the Lord, and, and Naomi says, I've come back empty-handed. I went away full, and I came back empty. Whenever you and I go to the land of comprom compromise, we will always come back empty. Now, now, God is like the fulfillment of her. God is like, now she's like, I am no longer empty. In fact, here's what it says, Ruth chapter 1, verse 21. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? And now, all of a sudden, God is like... God is like answering their prayer. Verse 18, Ruth chapter 3, it says, And she replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. And so Naomi is telling Ruth, Good news, Ruth. We're going to find out today. And Ruth, I, I believe it's going to be Boaz. Today, listen, today is going to be a good day. Ruth chapter 4, next week we're going to learn what happens but for us right now, there is a risk. We know that, right? There is a risk to love. There is a risk to move to a deeper love, to where you truly love someone. It's not infatuation. It's not emotions. It's not superficial stuff. You come to the place where love is patient and love is kind and love is protecting. Love is, love is honest and love is transparent. Love keeps no records of wrong. There is a risk to love. Fact is, love compels us to love someone, to love someone at a deeper level. Loving someone is, is deeper and more significant than just being in love. It's this issue, when, when you look at this, 
these verses speak into the the community of a church and and then into marriage and into dating life. See, it was the community in my life. When I came back to the Lord, it was a community of believers that came around me and loved me and were patient with me, discipled me. I was formed in that community. Christianity prioritizes community. It knows nothing of walking with Jesus in isolation. It knows nothing of walking with Jesus apart from community. There's something about a community. There's something about a community that forms us. It's this love that compels us. Listen, let me tell you something. Let me just ask you. This is so important for our spiritual growth. This isn't so important. Are we a community that knows one another? Do you know the people that you worship with? Are you in community here? Or for you, is this all there is? Is this all there is? The church is a place where we're a family, where we love one another, we pray for one another, we encourage one another, we're patient with one another. It's that love that compels us to minister to others. When you walk in here, are you more of a consumer or are you in community? A consumer walks in and kind of evaluates it just like they would a football game, a movie, or anything like this. I didn't 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 like this. And they're looking for a complaint department. Or when you walk in, are you looking for someone to love? Are you looking for someone to minister to? Are you looking for someone to come into community with? See, there's... There's a difference. There's a, it's his love that compels us to find somebody to love. It's a life group, a ministry, a Bible study. It's his love that compels us to go halfway around the world and minister to people in Haiti and minister to people in Zimbabwe. It's his love that compels us to go behind bars in Pueblo County Jail and minister to inmates. It's his love that compels us to come into community with one another, not so much worried about our needs, but wondering if we can meet somebody else's needs. Right before Christmas, just a real quick story and we'll close, but right before Christmas, our, our veterans ministry went to, uh, to minister to the veterans at the VA nursing home in, in Pueblo. And, and, uh, and so Pastor David went along with, with the team there, Jeff and some others that, that lead that whole ministry. And, and so he went there, and, and so they, they went on, on like bingo night. And so uh, they kind of commandeered bingo night, which some of, the, some of the VA people, you don't mess with bingo night. And so that's a big deal to them. And so they went, and they began ministering to the, the veterans. You know, you know how many people showed up from our church? Over 80 people showed up to minister to a group of veterans that would not have Christmas without us. The veterans were blown away. The staff was blown away. And they sat there and sang Christmas carols and, and ministered to them and did all kinds of things for them. It's his, listen, it's his love that compels us. When you come in here, are you looking for someone to love? Is it all about your preferences? Biblical community is finding somebody to love. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?